0: Our text for the day meditation comes from Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 to 27, uh, a rather familiar uh, parable that Jesus taught. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So far to the reading of God's word. Now, as most of you know, I grew up in the great state of Nebraska. And uh, part of living in Nebraska um, included knowing what to do in case of a tornado. Now, you can understand that my grandparents who raised me, a tornado destroyed the farm while they were still in it, and they lived through it. And so a great deal of my life was learning how to deal with tornadoes. And, in fact, in our school at St. John's, uh, schools in um, Nebraska and like many other states, Uh, We always had fire drills, that's for sure. I lived in the area where we also did the duck and cover in case of a nuclear holocaust, holocaust in Nebraska, of all places. But in addition to fire drills and the duck and cover, we also had frequent tornado drills because we just needed to learn to be ready just in case. In fact, many of our neighbors, I know my grandparents' neighbors on farms, and even in the town of Seward, also had their own underground shelters, those little bumps out in the backyard with the door on them. Uh, they were stocked with things like batteries and um, flashlights and blankets and bottles or not then bottles of water back there, but some have water and some non perishable food items and so living in Nebraska, you learned at a very young age to recognize some of the coming signs of bad weather and a lot of that I learned from my grandpa, you know an old farmer who could stand there. And, Sniff and tell me that it was going to rain in 15 minutes and by golly it would rain in 15 minutes So I learned some of that stuff, you know, not just how clouds look, but some things like Stillness in the air huh? And a change in atmospheric pressure And if you were in your house and all of a sudden your ears began to pop like you're on an airplane You guess that you maybe better raise a window a crack and seek out the basement or a safe place. Now, obviously, Nebraska does not have a corner on the storm market. Uh, those of us who live here in some place that we often to call Tornado Alley, I mean, every part of the country has its own type of threatening weather, and people who live here learn how to spot the signs and take cover when necessary. I mean, you can't live in Nebraska like there's no such thing as a tornado. It's like you can't possibly live in... Texas or Louisiana parts of it are in Florida and pretend there's no such thing as a hurricane. Uh, you can't live in California and pretend that there's no such thing as an earthquake. Uh, you can't really live in the northeast of the United States and pretend that there's never going to be any ice or snow. So wherever you live in this country, and indeed wherever you live all the way around this world, <laughs> you need to know what it means to be storm ready. Now, I like that term, and that's why I kind of chose that as a a kind of an overriding theme for our messages the next few weeks, storm ready, And the fact is, it doesn't just have to do with weather. Uh, It applies to every area of your life, because sooner or later, we're all going to have a storm in our life. You know, if you've not had any thus far, just wait, they'll come. And see, just like you can't live in Nebraska without being prepared for a possible tornado, you can't really live effectively in this life without knowing how to deal with the storms, the wind, the rains that inevitably blow through our daily existence. If you want to make it through life intact, you just plain simple need to learn to be storm ready. And and so for this reason, uh, we're going to begin a new series that's going to kind of explore this very idea. We're going to look at how to develop some attitudes as Christ followers that will enable us to weather the wind, the rain, the storms, whatever life blows our way. And our source for this little series, believe it or not, is kind of like our last series where we spent all the time just kind of in a small portion of God's word. We're going to take a look again at a parable, a little parable that Jesus told. And if you grew up in church and if you ever went to vacation Bible school when you were young, you no doubt know this story and you probably even know this song that was inspired by it. You know this song? The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise men built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. Well, let's sing it with me. Second the rains, the, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. up. And the house on the sand fell flat. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings will come down. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. So build your life on the Lord. But you never thought you'd ever sing during a sermon, did you? It's a short parable, and there's a lot here, so for the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at different aspects of this story, and hopefully you're going to hear some ideas that are going to help you build a more solid life. And you can probably already guess it's going to learn how to build your life on a rock. Better prepare. And obviously, we all want to be like this wise man in the story and in this song. Not like that foolish man who built on sand. We want to build a house. I mean, literally, I hope you do that. You really want to build a life that could withstand anything. In order to do this, we need to become what I would call people of wisdom. Now, in this story, God, or Jesus, uh, compares and contrasts two different guys. They both lived similar lives, both had similar experiences, but one man's life worked and the other man's life didn't. Now, why? Well, in spite of all of those similarities, there were some pretty significant differences, which we're going to examine over the course of these next few weeks. And we're going to take a look at the, today we're going to take a look at a primary difference. One man did what wise men do. The other did what foolish men do. So when the storms came up, and guess what? They inevitably will. One house made it, the other house didn't. Now, what was this primary, fundamental difference between these two guys? What made this wise man wise? Now, here's the spoiler for this entire series. I'm going to tell you how the series ends. You don't often do that. I'm going to tell you how in four weeks how this ends, in case you're not here. It all comes down to obedience. 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 And we're going to talk about quite a few different things during the course of this series. But at the end of the day, the series is it hopefully will challenge. I know it challenged me as I was going to put this together, but it would challenge you too to be more obedient to the teachings of Jesus. And that's why he said in verse 24: Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man. Now, who wants to be a wise? I was going to say wise guy, but would you like to be wise? I mean, I'd like to be wise. So it all comes down to the doeth part. Uh, you hear about obedience throughout this series, but today I want to talk to you about the most fundamental and essential quality necessary to be storm ready. And that would be wisdom. You need to be wise and not foolish. Now, many people view wisdom as kind of a vague term or uh, unattainable goal. They see wisdom is something that has to do with age. You know, um, you know, when you're 70, you're going to be wiser than you are when you're 17. Um, wisdom is something that has to do with age and life experience and gray hair and, um, you know, clever quotes in a fortune cookie. Uh, and that's not exactly what wisdom is. Wisdom is just as practical in uh, your daily schedule. It has nothing to do whatsoever with how old you are. I know people that are wise beyond their years, that are in their teens that make their grandparents look utterly foolish. And so the first principle we look at today is the principle of developing wisdom. And we say godly wisdom, the kind of wisdom that gives you the strength to be storm ready. And it starts with the three rules of real estate. Do You know, the three rules of real estate that location, location, location. Those are the three rules of real estate. Uh, a two-bedroom condo, for example, on the beach with an open ocean view will cost a whole lot more than a two-bedroom condo overlooking a nuclear dump site. Uh, it has nothing to do with the house. It could be the very same house, but it says everything about the place you put it. Now, in order to kind of put that into some perspective here, let me tell you uh, about a guy I read about not long ago. His name is Maurice Sedlachik. He arrived home one day and he found a 40-ton truck sticking out the side of his house. He lives in Karlshofen, Germany. Now, Maurice was upset. You'd expect that. But he was not surprised because this was not the first time something like this had happened. In fact, it was the tenth time that it had happened in the few years since he'd built his house. Now, where had he built his house? Well, it's a very beautiful house, uh, something of a dream house for him. But unfortunately, he located it on a very sharp curve of a very dangerous and busy highway. And sometimes large trucks uh, didn't successfully navigate the curve, particularly in the dark, and they ended up plowing into Mr. Sedlachic's home. Now, the authorities kept telling him time after time, "Uh, Maurice, your house is like a ticking time bomb. And if you don't move, you might very well be in a certain room when that next, Forty-ton uh, truck comes through, and yet Maurice is very reluctant to move, mainly because he loves his house. Now, I tell you, when I read that story, I thought, man, it may be a great house, but the location is a recipe for what disaster. I mean, where you build your house matters. Location, 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 and I want you to know that where you build your life matters too. It's location, location, location. You've probably heard it before. You can't expect to soar like an eagle when you, all you do is run around with a bunch of turkeys. That's location right there. If you're going to build your life on the foundation of taking care of just number one, getting even with your enemies and storing up as much stuff as you can store for yourself, you're going to eventually find that you're building your life on sand. If you build your life on the foundation of, I, I want to have as much fun as I can, you know, only one life, I go, you only go around once, grab all the gusts so you can, that kind of stuff. Uh, get as much pleasure as you possibly can out of life. Do only what you want to do whenever you feel like it. You're going to probably sooner or later find out your house is built where, on sand, bound to crash, great will be the fall. So we build our lives, these beautiful houses in these various locations that look great from a distance. And look as solid as can be. But after we build, after we've lived a while, seen the wind, the rain, we realize that maybe all we're living in is a sand trap and ultimately a death trap. So where you choose to build your life, the foundation upon which you build, is the most important decision, or I should say the most most important series of decisions you'll make. It comes down to how solid Do you want your life to be? Now, since this is a church, and since this is a pastor, you probably can guess I have some spiritual and biblical things to say about this. You're right. And it goes back to the third verse of that little song that we just sang a little while ago. And it's this. You want to build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no foundation other than this that can give your life the strength and the stability it needs to weather the storms that will come your way. Build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, after all, the solid rock. And my prayer is that all of you either are building, or at least will consider building, or keep on building on this solid rock. Now, in the time we have remaining, I want to talk about what does that really mean? What does it really mean to build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you do that? Well, I'm going to suggest three things this morning, three daily habits, not just habits, but daily. And here's the first one of these, and that is to surrender your life every day of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a big phrase. Let me say it again. Surrender your life every day of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, hold it I did that a long time ago. I did that, for example, uh, when I was confirmed. I stood up and I surrendered my life. I said, Lord, I'll follow you all the rest of my life. Or maybe you think you did that when you were baptized. You walked the aisle. Or you say, well, I do that when I go to church. And it's all well and good. I'm not opposed to baptism, confirmation, and going to church. Believe me. Although I stopped going to church years ago. I like to go to worship instead, by the way. Uh, But I want you to realize that surrendering your life... To the lordship of Jesus Christ is not a just a back then decision. It's not even a one time decision. I mean, sometimes people, they say, when did you make your decision for Jesus? I mean, the answer would be what? Every day. Not January the 7th, 1942 or whatever. It's an every day decision. It's a commitment that we renew Each and every morning. Now you might say, well, are you saying I need to get saved every day? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that every day of your life, you need to make that intentional decision to renew your commitment to Jesus and to surrender to his lordship. Jesus, I'm here. I'm here again. I'm so thankful for you and today guide me. I mean, however you want to say that I surrender to your lordship today. In whatever I do, it's just not something you do once. You do it day after day after day. Now, one of my my favorite Christian authors, anybody know who this is? C.S. Lewis. Yeah, C.S. Lewis. And uh, uh, really a a very great Christian writer. And and, uh, he talks about this very thing. And this is one of his quotes. He said, The real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Now, let me just stop right there. Is that the way you wake up every morning? You wake up and you think, Oh my gosh, oh man, I gotta I got get, got to get to work, I gotta take a shot, I gotta get out of here, I got all this stuff to do. I man, I got a to do list that is about seven weeks long and I gotta do it today. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on, all day. I mean, this is, this is like the difference between waking up in the morning and saying, oh, God, it's morning, and saying, oh, God, it's morning. It's another day in your kingdom. It's another day to live under your blessing. It's another day that I start. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in, or however you want to do that. And so building a solid foundation is really surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus again and again and again, every day, all day. Now, I have no idea what's going on in your lives, quite honestly, any more than you really have any idea what's going on in, in my life. But there may have been, there may be people here today who have never ever really done that. Even once. I, I don't know. Maybe you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. You believe in but you never surrendered it. And maybe there are some people here who said, well, I did that years ago, um, but then maybe since then you've kind of let the weeds grow up around and you're not living as strongly in your connection with Jesus. I, I really don't know. But I want you to know that, you know, you can change that. Uh, know that no matter where you are spiritually today, and I'm sure that if, you know, if, we, if we all had a spiritual barometer, thermometer, and as we all looked around, we'd all, we'd all find out that all of us are in a different place spiritually. That's for sure. I doubt that all of us are at the top of the scale. Uh, if we were, we'd be in heaven and not sitting at St. Mark's in Mineral wells Texas, believe me. Uh, but wherever you are today guess what you you can you can move on and how do you do it well you do it today like you do it every other day you surrender your will to his lordship now I should probably just explain Lord for a quick a little bit because Lord in the Bible I guess a modern day translation would be CEO he's the chief executive officer it means boss it means that you are willing to allow him God to make the Executive decisions in your life It means that you no longer do what you want to do But you find a way to do what he wants you to do It's a life of surrender, of submission Whatever word you want to use A life of strength It's a life of stability And it's yours right now All you do Surrender your life to Jesus Christ Every day To his lordship Now here's the second thing Listen To his word every day, for his word every day. You might notice those couple of italicized words there. I put them in there as an accent. Listen to his word every day, for his word every day. Let me explain When I say listen, I'm really talking about spiritual listening. Not so much with the ears, but with the heart, your spirit Uh, and sometimes this involves reading the Bible. Sometimes it involves just listening in silent contemplation. Uh, sometimes it involves, uh, let's say, hearing the Bible being read uh, on, you know, on a, a laptop or your iPad or wherever you can listen to it. Somebody else is reading. Or when it comes when you're listening to a sermon or you're having a conversation with another spiritual brother or sister, you listen to God's word in a whole variety of settings. Now, obviously, uh, towards the top of the list, I guess, would be uh, spending time in God's word. And when we talk about reading the Bible, there's an essential distinction, I think, that we need to, to, to make. It's not just reading the Bible. Uh, you're, you're not just listening to his word. You're listening to For his word. There's a distinction there. He has something to say to you. And you're listening for it. Now, to make it a little bit more clear. You're not just listening to his word. You're listening to do his word. There's a little bit of a difference there. You're not just listening for his word. But you're listening to do his word. What is it that he wants you to do? Now, that's why in the book of James... It says, be doers of the word and not just hearers, which just kind of deceives yourself. And that we all know probably somebody, uh, that religious person, I think every, I, I can think of somebody right off, and I'm sure maybe you can too, that, that very religious person you know, who reads his or her Bible all the time and knows almost every verse for memory, And goes around all the time quoting it in all capital letters. But it seems as if that everything this person knows about the Bible is directed somehow towards you or everybody else. You ever meet anybody like that? They've always got a word of God for you. (laughs) Now, some people read that Bible and hear only what they think God is telling other people to do. And all they come away with is this. There are These are the reasons that God is against everyone but me. And these are the reasons that God will judge everybody else, in particular you. Now friends, I want you to know that's not the Holy Spirit talking to that person. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he is not normally going to use you to speak about what's wrong with somebody else. Now, I've often said the best point in any sermon, some people say, is the one that flies over your head and spears the person sitting behind you. You know, like it flies right over Boyd's head and lands right square in Vic's heart. That's what we hope. That's why sometimes people walk out of church and they say, oh, man, my brother-in-law should have been here today. Well, it's also got something to say to you, friends. Something to say to you. Uh, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he challenges us to be doers. You know, so building your life on this solid foundation means building your life on a foundation of obedience, of doing the word. I, I've often asked people, you know, come in and told me about what they were doing. And I, I said, you know, what part of obedience don't you understand? I mean, God says there's certain things to be obedient. You wonder why your life is out of whack? I can pretty much tell you why your life is out of whack. You're probably not being obedient to some part of his word. Um, I... I it's been months ago already, I happened to be sitting at a coffee shop in the morning, and I, I heard a table next to me, a couple of young girls talking, and they were basically talking about how life was just uh, kicking the shorts. You know, life was terrible, and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of glanced over, and it's like, these girls are like, I don't know, 20, 24 years old, and their life is already a disaster. And uh, I just finally kind of got the best of me, and I, just, I said, excuse me, <laughs> Could I tell you how to make your life better than it is today? And they both looked at each other and looked at me and probably thought, what's this little geezer? <laughs> and I said, I, if, you, if you give me a few minutes, I can, I can, I think I can tell you something that would make your life better. And so they rather, I said, okay, so I moved my chair over and I talked a little bit about this this morning. I have on my iPhone an app and it's got God's divine plan on it. And I shared with them God's divine plan about how God made everything perfect, but then sin entered the world. But then God, you know, and I explained to them when sin entered the world, that's when our lives go all bad. And if we never come into this relationship with Jesus Christ, our lives just still swirl around and all bad. You know, but God doesn't want it that way. And when it's all done. I, I said, so that's all I got to say. If you want your life to be better, I don't know where you're at. But perhaps a relationship with Jesus would help your life get better. And they both sat there, and I said, do either of you attend worship anywhere? Well, my wife said I should ask um, what church they actually attend and what their pastor's name is, which puts him even more on the spot. But I often ask, do you go to church somewhere? And they, they both said no. And I said, well... Uh, you're probably not going to want to make a hundred mile round trip to where I'm at on Sunday morning. I said, but there is a church that I, I often go to on a Saturday night. It's a nice church, pastor's a good preacher, and everything. And I told them about it. And guess what? I have actually seen them a couple of times on a Saturday night, and they said life is getting better. So is it, you know, that, that's, what I said. that's why Jesus said, "Whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will make I will liken them to a wise man." Now, most of this comes from the bible sometimes a sermon whatever but it's when the holy spirit says you need to do this you need to know and you know you need to do it so do it so kind of that degree to which we learn to say yes to the holy spirit if you want your life to be storm ready listen to his word every day for his word for you now here's the third thing make everything you do an act of worship and an act of service I spent all this last week, uh, five days, uh, studying the Bible. We went from Genesis through Revelation in five days, eight hours a day. It's enough to make your brain spin. Uh, But, you know, what got the people of Israel into trouble continually is their total lack of obedience to the covenant that God had made with them. And so, uh, you know, they were not looking to be... and, And part of the covenant was that they were to be a blessing... To all the surrounding nations, and guess what? They were they were not a blessing to other nations. They did everything they could to keep other nations away from them. That would be like say we're a Christian church and we're going to do everything we can to keep all non Christians outside of this church. That just plain and simple doesn't make sense. You would say, no wonder you would be in the situation you're in. See, this takes doing the word to a deeper level. In, in Romans chapter 12, it said. Therefore, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, I'm going to stop there. Why don't we want to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? Because it's hot on the barbecue. You know, if you put a live cow on your barbecue, he's going to want to get off. Put a live pig on your barbecue, he's going to want to get off of there. Put a live chicken on your barbecue, he's going to get off of there. So you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, this phrase, offer your body, simply means every physical action you take, everything you do throughout your day, offer it to God as an act of worship, as an act of service. Now, can you imagine what life would be like if you approached everything you did with that kind of attitude? You know, I reflect back on the days, you know, when the tornado destroyed the farm and You know, we ended up living in Seward, Nebraska. My grandpa's job was to be the janitor of the church, the school, and the parish hall. And as a result, I was with him a lot in the church, in the parish hall, in the school, helping him clean. Now, I was probably, I I know I was the very first kid in school every day because when my grandpa got up, I got up. And part of the reason was I got up to go with him, for example, to walk to the school and make sure that those glass milk bottles that were delivered for those little pints of milk you got every day didn't sit out in the frozen cold so it pushed the lid off. Get those inside and to make sure the desks were exactly where it was supposed to be. To make sure that if any meetings took place in that building over the night that it was all straightened up. And, and i tell you that uh, for a, a part of my life it just bugged me that I had to get up at like at 6 o'clock in the morning and go with my grandpa and then, and then stay for school and then oftentimes stay afterwards, but it never seemed to bother my grandpa. And my grandpa always had a smile on his face, was always there willing to help people, and it took me the longest time to realize that I think that what my grandpa was doing and saying by his life was everything he was doing, he was doing for the Lord. It was an act of service. He was looking for ways to serve other people. I don't know whether he would have ever verbalized that by saying, Grandpa, why do you do this? Why do you always say, Well, I'm, I'm doing this as an active way to serve the Lord. That was not my grandpa's verbal style. But I think that's exactly what he was doing. Um, see, when you work, when you talk about your spouse, or you play with your kids, or you socialize with your friends, can you imagine the impact on your life if you were to say this? This moment isn't about me. This moment, this activity is an act of worship, is an act of service. I'm not here for me. See, imagine this. If that attitude would become your habit, in your labor, in your leisure, every every of your life would be stronger, it would be more solid, more secure, and even when the storms come, your way. And that's why, you know, I think all of us are guilty. I know I am. Did any of you ever have days that you don't do anything, you're just a big, giant slug? <laughs> yeah, okay. Those are kind of like disposable days, like an old, old Kleenex. Uh, you know, and I think I know a lesson I need to learn is that there are no disposable days. They all matter because everything we do all throughout the day is really, if we think about it, it's a sacred event. It's an act of worship. It's an opportunity for service. Now, so storm or not, we all need that kind of wisdom. But since we know the storms of life are inevitable, Jesus made it plain We need to make sure that we are ready. Now, the question I'd leave you with is, do you want to develop the wisdom of a wise man? Well, I said this earlier. Wisdom has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with action. We all know in our head, I think, what really matters in this life. Wisdom takes what we know up here, and it gets into our hearts and then into our hands and feet. I mean, wisdom is an everyday thing. It kind of comes down to this. Wisdom is doing first and doing best that which matters most every day of your life, which is serving the Lord. If that becomes your habit, you become rock solid. Now, I was going to put another song on the screen, but I I probably would be able to sing it, but you wouldn't be able to. But I want to end by reading these lyrics. And if you get a chance to YouTube this song, uh, the song is called Same Power, S-A-M-E, Same Power. It's by a Christian artist whose name is Jeremy Camp. Let me just read these words because this is really talking about being rock solid. I can see waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. But we will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out, We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us. It lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea, lives in us. We have hope that that his promises are true. In his strength there is nothing we can't do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store, for we will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. Greater is he that is living in me. He's conquered our enemy. No power of darkness, no weapon prevails. We stand here in victory. Because we have the same power. I'd say that's pretty rock solid. And I would just commend you to hunt that song up and just listen to it. Great stuff. May God bless us as we build together in his name. Amen.